Welcome to the Kerrville Bible Church Podcast. In addition to bringing you weekly sermons from our pastor and other speakers, we are also seeking to provide you with additional content and connection to encourage your soul, especially during this time of separation due to the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020. Today, listen in as our pastoral staff, consisting of Pastor Teacher Chris McKnight, Associate Pastor Scott Christensen, Worship Pastor Toby Baxley, and Youth Pastor Heath Gregory discuss James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 during our weekly staff meeting. Now here's Heath Gregory with this week's staff devotion. We are in James today, chapter 4. It's actually a passage that you gave us some shout out on Sunday that we were in. Right. But I thought, you know what, it's a good passage to go back to. And so kind of kind of do the layout of what I did on a Wednesday, but then really want to focus on the last part. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, I had titled this attitude adjustment when I did it for youth group and, and had led with the question of what is your view of tomorrow? Uh, I even challenged the kids to tell me, tell me one thing. I mean, really pause right now in your life and tell me one thing with absolute certainty you can guarantee you'll have tomorrow. Uh, because in my study, I mean, that, that's really what hit me is we don't have anything that we can lay claim to for guaranteed certainty that we'll have tomorrow. Uh, the only, and one of the kids said, Jesus. Yes, that is the right answer. <laughs> that is the right answer. We do have Jesus. And, and that's, that's where James is trying to take us, right? James is trying to take us to the fact that we don't have the things of this world guaranteed, but we do have an eternal life guaranteed. Uh, and so I think this has been a great time to, with, with coronavirus or COV, SRS, whatever it's called now, uh, to slow down and really think about how we view our future. Uh, I know in our house, it's been a great opportunity for us to slow down and really think about a lot of the things Chris, you talked about on Sunday, which uh, finances being a big one. Hey, how, how are we stewarding what the Lord's given us with our time, with our money, uh, with, our, with our life? Uh, uh, Proverbs 16 came to mind, the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And this is a great time for us to realize that. We've all had, like you said, things canceled, things paused, uh, not to our a liking in a lot of cases, uh, but obviously to the liking of the Lord. Um, part of my prayer has even really been that this is just an opportunity to bring families back together, uh, spend more time together, be outside, be hanging out and talking. So uh, kind of in, in setting the context of where we're at here in, in James is, uh, you know, he's, he's talked a lot about speech. Uh, he's talked a lot about the tongue already here in, in the chapter four, uh, and he's really used it as this opportunity to reveal the heart. Um, I stressed with the kids, you know, he talks about this in verse 13 here. We're in 13 to 17. Come now, you say, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. It's important for us to recognize he's not addressing business itself. He's not saying that business is bad. He's not saying this isn't something we should be doing. He recognizes that they're in a culture where business is active and it's part of the culture. Uh, what, he, what he's saying is he's addressing the attitude and the perspective of it. He's addressing the individual who is a business person uh, and saying, okay, how do you actually view tomorrow? Do you feel like it's totally in your control here, uh, as verse 13 leads us to believe, or do you actually recognize that there's something else in control uh, of your days? Uh, and really broke it down into three parts here. Uh, we'll focus on the, the third one the most, but it was the fantasy uh, of thinking you're in control, the reality of life being short and you're not in control, 
And then the adjustment, which is really the transformation in our lives, where we recognize that we're not our own and that we're, we're at the will of a God who loves us and cares for us greater than we could ever imagine. So, uh, so in looking at, uh, at 13, you know, recognizing we're not in control, recognizing our lack of uh, thinking we're in control lacks a dependence on God. Uh, it really even screams, I don't need God, right? The businessman says today or tomorrow, he's very specific in the time. Uh, he's, he's, he's somewhat specific in where he's going to go. He's not specific into what type of business, which is actually an arrogant statement in itself. He doesn't say, I'm going to go engage in fur trading. I'm going to go engage in this. He's essentially saying, I can go engage in any business type that I want, and I'm going to make a profit. And it really gives no regard for anything that he might run into. Uh, it exudes pride, which uh, is sin. Uh, and then James even addresses it in uh, verse 16, that it's really just arrogance uh, from this person. And that's the fantasy that a lot of us live in. Uh, that's our tendency, our natural state of uh, sin nature, that we live in a fantasy world where we feel like we have it all figured out and all in control. And we've realized over the last three weeks that that can come to a, a halting stop uh, with, with no say of ours. So uh, then we move into the reality, uh, which is uh, verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And this vapor, this mist, uh, fog, whatever, whatever the direct translation would be there, you know, it's like that, mor that in the morning when we wake up and, and if you're on a hilltop, you can kind of look out over the hills and you can see this fog that just covers everything and it's, and it's blanketed and you can't see it. And sometimes you even wonder, man, is it still there, right? That fog is so dense that you can't see it. But inevitably that fog always goes away. Uh, Depending on where you live, sometimes it takes a couple of days to go away. But a lot of times, you know, we'll wake up, look off our back porch, and that fog lifts within a couple of hours, and now all of a sudden everything's clear again. Mm -hmm. But for that, for that one moment, it was like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't see those things. Uh, and that's, that's who we are. We're that fog. We're that vapor that has, <clears throat> I mean, really, he's comparing us to vapor. We have no consistency in this world, right? We have flesh, but it's so... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so... It's, tr it's fragile, right? Fragile. It's transient. Yeah. You know, it burns off like the vapor. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's so it's fragile that it won't be there in an hour or two hours or three days or even 80 years. 80 years is nothing to God. So uh, I love that he brings us back here to the truth that our life is really short. Uh, and even when I did this with the kids, I had uh, a couple of obituaries come up on the TV behind me from a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old. Um, you know, because it's easier for us in our 40s and 50s to start viewing death and knowing that, hey, this is something that's going to happen. But from a 12-year-old or an 11-year-old to an 18-year-old to a 25-year-old, you really don't think about that. Uh, and so I love how James, James can stop us in our tracks here and, and show us that God is in control and uh, that life doesn't always go according to our plans. Uh, and then the, the transformation is, is what's amazing here. And, and this is, you know, only in a believer's life do I think that you can actually have this mindset. Uh, it's, the, it's the change of heart. It's recognizing that we're a work in progress. This isn't, you know, we want this to be our everyday attitude. We know that uh, things are going to creep in and we're not always going to have this perfect mindset set on the Lord's will. But the adjustment here is that I'm humble. I'm humble in recognizing who the Lord is. I'm humble in understanding my position under Him. Uh, that, that complete surrender, that complete submission, that I'm a child of God, I'm at His will. I'm at His 
uh, beck and call, if you want to say it, whatever the plans he's laid out, they may or they may not be the plans that I want. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some goodness in that because he knows better than us. Uh, if the Lord wills. I mean, there is an uncertainty just in that. When we start a sentence with if, there's not this certainty of this is going to happen. It's if the Lord wills. The Lord, recognizing that position of power, this king, right? It's, it's, in, in the UK, they've got the queen. If the queen wills, it happens. You know, this is our king. And he's greater than any king or queen that's ever reigned on this earth. Uh, he reigns over all. Uh, so in the first part there, you see, again, just that humble attitude of recognizing the Lord's place in our life and recognizing his, his desires for us. Uh, in the second little part, you see uh, we will live. You know, it, it's interesting that James didn't say the businessman responds and says, if the business does well or if this. He says, if we live or we will live. Let's just thank the Lord that we have life. Right. Let's leave it up to him that his plans are good, that he knows our way. And what he's really doing here is saying we need to value our existence. Right. Every second, every minute, every breath, every heartbeat is not guaranteed. It's not promised. Uh, One day we will be that vapor that disappears. And uh, so when we say we will live, we're we're just giving thanks and praise that he's given us breath today. Uh, It's that pause of recognizing I have value in his eyes today. Right? I have value in his eyes eternally. Uh, and although it may not go according to my plan, it is going according to his plans. Uh, Don't you think it's a veiled rebuke? <clears throat> really? I mean, because the, the guy in verse 13 was, uh, you know, either today or tomorrow, I've got the time figured out. Mm-hmm. This city or that city, I've got the place figured out. I'm going to go do business, and I know the result even. I've yeah. got a profit. Profit, yeah. And, and then James is like, to me, this just feels like a very... Uh, not so gentle, maybe subtle rebuke of, uh, not only do you not know any of that, but here's where it starts. Mm-hmm. If the Lord wills, you will actually be alive tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I that alone, do this, 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 and this. Definitely, right? Yeah. Well, this, uh, what, verse 15 says, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. I don't, I don't know if that's a, they've got it in quotes. Uh, I guess it's because you ought to say, but this, do this or that. I don't know if that's a, a, a idiom of some sort, or if it just means I'm I'm open to whatever okay. the Lord has for me. I mean that that's the position I kind of took on it, uh, and really even saying it's that freedom. Do this or that. Like there's no specific here as to what the Lord has planned in your life, and it's just as freeing as knowing that we're forgiven. Yeah. Right. It's just as freeing as knowing, hey, if I do die tomorrow, if my vapor, if my time has come. I'm going to be with the Lord. Okay, I want to have the exact same freedom in whatever comes my way, whether it's coronavirus, stock market crash, lose a child, lose a parent. Hey, I know that that has been the Lord's plan. I mean, if this isn't an ultimate, I mean, this isn't a, 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 a verse or a section here that kind of like Chris says, the sovereign grace, that God's in control of everything. Uh, you know, one of one of the tensions you have in 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 this is you know you you pray about you know so you know you pray about this business deal or this or that and you're praying that you know you you have in your mind a certain way that you think something should go and you you know and as Christians we want to think okay does this this fit with 
you know, good, you know, sound wisdom and biblical principles and all of that, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're pursuing this and you pray about it, you know, and, and you're saying, Lord, this is, this is, you know, work this out. You know, you pray specific prayers in that regard. You know, some people might say, okay, you know, the more faith you have, you know, the more guarantee you're going to have that, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And see, so somebody could say, well, you know, I'm just praying with the confidence, yeah. you know, that, that this plan that I have, that I've given over to the Lord, I've prayed to him about it. He, he promises to answer our prayers and, and this sort of thing, you know, and, and so isn't my, you know, isn't my confidence rooted in my faith? Mm-hmm. You know, but on the other hand, I think faith, really recognizes this principle of God's sovereign will, which we never have access mm-hmm. to, you know, in our daily personal lives in terms of what God has in store for mm-hmm. us. And I, and I think that, um, but to balance that with recognizing that we hang on to every prayer somewhat loosely, mm-hmm. not in the sense that we're not trusting God to accomplish whatever it is that we're praying about, but number one, we recognize he may have a whole different way of answering that prayer than we expected. And he may have good reasons for not answering that prayer. And we always have to be prepared to not allow ourselves to, to cling so tightly to the prayer that we're not clinging to the Lord mm-hmm. to yeah. whom we are trusting for our, you know, entrusting our lives to yeah, because we're, when we're clinging to the prayer, right, we're really clinging to our desire. Yeah. We're not clinging to God's desire or God's right. plan. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, you know, I thought he closed, I mean, what a great way to close this section. And some commentaries say 17 is off on its own, but I think it goes here. He says, therefore, to, when you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Uh, the biggest adjustment, uh, adjustment, the biggest heart change in us is repentance. Mm-hmm. Right? When we recognize that this is something that we've done wrong in our lives, from small things to big things, we, we turn from it. We, we, ask the God, we, ask the God, we ask God for forgiveness mm-hmm. and, uh, and then trust that forgiveness. And as much as we trust that forgiveness, we need to trust that we have a future with Christ. Yeah. Not, and, and here's what I thought was interesting. I was thinking about this today. We believe in our eternal future with Christ. Like, hands down, most Christians are going to say, yeah, I can't wait for that day. But Christ is with us now. So even as we're going through crazy things that we didn't think we'd be going through, it, we're going through it with Christ. Right? We trust the promise of forgiveness. We trust the promise of future inheritance. What we need to trust is that right now, whatever he's putting me through, whatever he's allowing to happen, the tests that are coming my way, we're going through it with Christ. Just like we'll be with him forever. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was a great way to close it there. Uh, yeah. Thoughts, Kern? Well, I think, you know, the going back to 15, there's so much, especially I think in youth ministry, especially when, when kids, the, the, the age 18 cliff, it's like, I, I gotta make some decisions and mm-hmm. I don't wanna make the wrong decision um, so there's a lot of angst, you know, I think in, in late high school, early college, with what am I going to do with my life? What's my major going to be? What, where am I going to work? And, and um, you know, they can have that anxiety that they have to make the right decision because the right decision is going to be successful and uh, they're going to go somewhere and make yeah. a profit and, and all that. But, you know, really, 
uh, it's it's just about trusting the Lord and and accepting whatever whatever comes your way as, as part of His will for you. And really, what is what is the will of God uh, is is that we be sanctified. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of talk, kind of alluding to the paralysis by analysis, uh -huh. right? <clears throat> and and get so scared to make a decision that you don't make a decision, which is a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And delay is a decision. And so I think that's a very real thing, especially as the options are seemingly endless <clears throat> and our culture is totally dense. We talked about that a while back. You can do it. You can do anything. Yep. You can be anything can be you, you want to be. Yeah. And so they, they, you know, they come to that stage and it's like there's no <clears throat> clear path because everything seems like an option. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and then, uh, you know, delaying, dragging your feet is really can be a real lack of just trusting God, you know. Yeah. I think there's Pray, get counsel, make a decision. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think there's something to be said for joining the family business. <laughs> you know? It reduces the options, but options. also kind of reduces the anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and kind of addressing what both of you guys are saying, you know, especially from the high school perspective, or even as you get somebody who's considering a job change, you know, it's often, I mean, we go really quick to like, okay, what are the finances going to look like? Like, where are we going to live? Things like that. But I think a lot of our high schoolers aren't making decisions for college based on, okay, can the Lord equip me at this university to do this in a biblical way, mm -hmm. uh, to serve him, to do ministry? Because even though I may not be going into a pastor role, I may be a, I may be, you know, a, an engineer who is still a Christian and, uh, and kind of going back, I always go back to Chris's thing on that one life. Right? It's, just, it's this view that I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and everything else falls underneath that. Yeah. I'm a Christian above and beyond everything. And then if I'm an insurance agent or a pastor, like those are all just part of my Christian life. It's not I'm fitting my Christian life into those things. I like what you said about uh, uh, verse 14. <clears throat> Even if you live 80 years, it's a little while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're still a vapor, uh, <clears throat> and you're going to vanish away. And, and just that perspective of even the most elderly among us, uh, most seasoned among us, even if you get to a hundred in God's economy, it was, it was very brief. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> it's just a humbling passage to me. I think all the way around, it's uh, it's a rebuke. It's humbling. It's get over yourself. Uh, recognize. Your very existence depends on God willing it to happen day by day. And, uh, and to live and think otherwise is sin because it's arrogance. Right. It's a form of boasting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We probably don't recognize, we probably even admire it in each other at times when it's actually a form of boasting. Yeah. Yeah, confidence has been something that's been instilled to us, right? We should have confidence. And, right. But there's a godly confidence that's different from, from worldly confidence. Scott, you had something you Well, let's go back to something you said, Toby. You know, there, I think there's some really important um, theological distinctions that are important that you see in this passage. And it has to do with the will of God. And theologians make this distinction between God's sovereign will, uh, sometimes it's called his secret will or his decorative will, because that's what he decrees to take place. So it's fixed, you know, it's, it's going to happen because God is determined. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to happen. So in that sense, it's his sovereign will. 
nothing can stop that from happening. But on the other hand, we have what we might call God's moral will or his instructive will, which is what he commands us to do. Some people call it the will, God's will of command or whatever. Um, and I, I think you see both those here. You see God's sovereign will in verse 15. If the Lord wills, if God sovereignly wills this to happen, you know, we'll, we will live and do this or that, and God's going to make it happen. But we don't know what that is. And so we shouldn't presume to think we know what it is. On the other hand, when you look at verse 17, to him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's like the passage you alluded to in Thessalonians. This is the will of God for your life, your, your sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, or later on in verse Thessalonians, he said, you know, in all things give thanks because this is the will of the Lord. Right. You know, so that's talking about his instructive will. And I think when it comes to making decisions, we get, we get hung up on, well, should I go to this college or yeah. this college? Should I take this job or that job? And that, those are generally not the right kinds of questions we should be asking. We should be asking, does this particular decision fit within the parameters of God's instructive moral will? In other words, am I making good, wise, moral decisions? Is this fit within that pattern? And if it, and if it does, then by all means, do it, you know? Yeah. Or... or Kevin DeYoung's book, Just Do It. That's what I said, just do something. Yeah, yep. yeah or do something, yeah. Yep. I've always liked, uh, and, and maybe uh, <coughs> probably more devotional than theological, but looking at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will He will make your path straight. Mm -hmm. some, some translations say He will direct your path. Or, yeah. But I always like to think of that straight path being in the rearview mirror. But as we're looking forward, or in the present, the, the, the path seems to kind of wind and turn. And, but as we look back, we say, oh, that was God's, yeah. that was, because God had me exactly where, where I needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard somebody say one time, uh, you know, the path is, is uh, it was a straight, is that the, the scripture? But yeah, it may be straight, but it may be up a 30,000 foot mountain and then down into a thousand <laughs> foot gulch and then back up that same mountain, <laughs> right. right? You know, when we see the inspirational quotes of like the path, it's always like perfect and clear and this, but that's not the way God's path works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautifully lit. The yeah. path. Yeah, right. <laughs> the perfect image. Yes. <laughs> Thomas Kincaid. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, James has been great for my soul this year, man. Uh, it's just, it, it, it's kind of neat getting into four and five. It's kind of all just coming together. He re really keeps kind of talking about the same things uh, and just kind of even going deeper in them. So. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Kerrville Bible Church Podcast. In future episodes, we would like to answer your biblical and theological questions. Send them to us via email at questions at curvillebiblechurch.org or leave us a text or voicemail at 830-321-0349. See you next time.